On this episode of the Packet of Pie, we talk about getting the big win against the big cats heading into the bye week. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. And with that, let's go pack. Third down and five. Rogers, same side. And this time, it's in the hands of Lazar. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the MVP played Sunday, but his name was Jones. Snow got everybody running like the Flintstones. Smith boys pillaging with them crossbones. Another game with no Gary Sachs. Dan's got to pay some loans. Panther fans crying about the rest. Boo-hoo, check your hormones. Pack it up, Packers podcast. Woo! Take a deep breath. We're in the bye week. <laughs> Amen. I, I actually think that a lot of times you head into the bye week going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? This might be the most perfect bye week in all of bye weeks. But I am Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. How we doing? Hey, hey. So if I told you there was a chance that the Packers' backfield would outgain Christian McCaffrey, triple his touchdowns, and yet with all those stats in play, not get a single catch, what would your thoughts be? Even just looking at the box score straight up, if you look at it, I would say we lost, right? You know, if you don't look at the touchdown totals. Um, it, I can't believe we actually pulled this game off. Uh, and and credit to Aaron Jones. He only got 13 carries. Um, and Three of those were touchdown runs. Uh, I mean, a great game by these backs with limited touches, you know, all all rushing. Um, and, and they did they did what they were asked and they, they continued to get first downs and, you know, four or five yards per rush. I had not realized that no running back had a catch. Even there was only a target a piece for Vitaly and Jamal Williams. They didn't even target Aaron Jones. I'm just seeing that now. Yeah. Boy, every time Christian McCaffrey touched the ball, I was holding my breath. And he, he's just so fast. It reminds me of the old movie. of like, they're faster than us. They're quicker than us. They're better than us. They're faster than us. And like, oh, you already said they're faster than us. <laughs> but, <laughs> but his long was only 18 yards. So they did a good job containing and making sure that he he wasn't the game-changing back that he normally is. And then Aaron Jones, like you said, Josh, 13 carries, an average of 7.2 yards per carry. He got yards when sometimes there were no yards blocked for. He still found a way to bounce them outside or inside, find a hole, pick up a first down and touchdowns. He looked like a next level back this week. and We're starting to see something special out of him. It's real fun to watch. But overall, our running game, six yards a carry. Uh, we got to see Aaron Rodgers sort of play a bit of a, I'll go to Devontae when I need it. Otherwise, I'm just game managing. And I think he's enjoying his ability to manage a game instead of putting the whole team on his back because of these running backs. Let's start right there with this offense. It, You know, we talk about it a lot, especially the old McCarthy days where he seemed to almost overbalance the offense. But they had 27 rushes. They had 29 pass attempts. You have Jones at 93 yards and three touchdowns. You have Adams at 118 yards. 
I mean, they did what they wanted to do, and I think I, uh, we can all agree that we were a little nervous after that Carolina first drive because they seemed like they kind of owned the Packers. But then it just felt like we were in control, and the amount of times that you had this backfield. I mean, Jones averaged 7.2 yards a carry. It was balanced attack from every single person on this offense. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. It was balanced, you know, this week. And Lafleur made a great point, you know, going into this game that he wanted to get back into the play calling that he was doing. You know, I don't think he got 100% back into it. You know, as we see, there were no catches by our running backs, which I think is key to us uh, winning down the stretch and definitely in the playoffs. Um, but with that said, you know, he kept a very balanced attack. You know, he he stuck to his plan. He wanted the ground game to win this game, to control the time of possession, uh, which they did for the most part. Um, and then, you know, limit the turnovers, which we had zero. So uh, it, it, they stuck to their game plan. Like in previous weeks, it hasn't been the prettiest thing, right? But uh, we, mm-hmm. we did it. We pulled it off. Yeah, I'd love to see a stat on Rodgers' time to throw. It just feels like when you get this running game going to this degree, it's not always necessarily play action, but the pass blocking just ends up being cleaner because they have to respect the run. And there was a play where uh, Jenkins and Bakhtiari on the left-hand side picked up a stunt just beautifully. Rodgers almost backed into that pressure, but then he felt it. He realized where it was coming from. He scrambled to his right instead, and he finds Lazard for a huge pickup on a third down. Uh, it just felt like Rodgers of about four or five years ago when he was making plays. But interestingly enough, you know, the Jimmy Graham one for 48 yards was just a, bust, a busted coverage. When he gets in open space, I almost start laughing. It's like, big man running, <laughs> look out. <laughs> but, you know, Devontae, seven for 118, that beautiful throw from Rodgers where he fits it into what probably was a cover two, and he had just a small gap. It was interesting he didn't put more air under that. He sort of flatlined it to Devontae. It was just a beautiful catch. So Devontae was doing his thing, but outside of that, the receivers that are probably something to get concerned about here. Geronimo had three catches for six yards. MVS had just one target. He only had like 17 snaps or something like that. He was the, the fewest uh, snap total of the top four receivers. And Lazard all of a sudden looks like he's Rodgers' second guy. Don't you get that feeling? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm surprised Geronimo Allison's honestly getting st- – I think he was the second highest snaps in wide receivers, uh, if I if I remember correctly. But – uh, but Alan Lazard, like he, he's consistently being looked at and getting open on, you know, uh, long drown out plays where Aaron Rodgers has to scramble outside the pocket or vo- void pass rush. And then here's Alan Lazard right beyond the first down, finding a way to get open in the space. That's something we haven't had from our wide receivers other than Devontae Adams. When Rodgers gets in trouble, nobody's been able to get open. And finally, Alan Lazard and occasionally Jake Kumro. Uh, they're they're finding some space and catching the ball for a first down on third and long when like we need them to. Yeah, MVS only had 11 snaps. Geronimo had 42. That's not the ratio I'd like to see. Like like we talked about, I just feel like Geronimo's hit a ceiling. Um, but can I just say something? This is needs to be mandatory for all Green Bay Packers moving forward. You need longer cleats. There's no sheet of ice on the field. <laughs> Troy Aikman and Joe Buck were like, there's a sheet of ice from the weather. No, that's a heated grass-turf combo. You can take a tour and see everything they do to make sure there's not a sheet of ice on that field. They're slipping earlier in the year, and they're slipping now that it's frozen. It's probably only going to get worse. Why doesn't the equipment manager say everyone needs to up their cleat by one size? 
And that's the thing is you if it's the Carolina Panthers that are slipping around, you go home field advantage. This is our house. This is why we literally practice in the snow. But to have that equipment failure on the Packer side is just an absolute at this point. It's just a missed opportunity. But if it becomes a true mistake, ooh boy. Yeah, we're we're missing plays. I mean, there's there's plays out there to be made that are being missed from slipping. And it, it, it'll cause penalties. It'll cause injuries. It'll cause fumbles, interceptions. I don't get why it's not being addressed. They're all saying that the players are fine with their cleats. But just look at how many people are slipping. It makes no sense why they're not addressing it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I did want to bring up our offense, you know, did what they needed to do to get the win. But we continue to kill ourselves with pre-snap penalties. Yes. I mean, yes. I think we're yes. averaging two or three delay of game penalties a game, possibly more. And then. Not to mention the amount of second and long that we put ourselves in after a false start absolutely kills the momentum. It killed the first drive of uh, the game. I mean, you just can't have those things when we're actually moving the ball and then you just kill a drive with a stupid false start penalty. And I completely agree with you because more often than not, it's Bakhtiari, which is insane to me. Or Jimmy Graham. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Gibbs, you had Bakhtiari as your potential MVP of the season. Yeah. How many false start penalties has he had? And I understand that there was moments where you're dealing with a, a, a pass rush that's insane. And I get there's this extra wanting to get that extra step. But it is, it's almost become normal that we are going to hear false start on number 69 at just about every game. Well, yeah. And one of Aaron Rodgers' strengths is, you know, getting people to jump off sides and getting that free play. We haven't even been able to do that this year because our, our, our we keep all false starting. It's our and, guys jumping off. Yep. Yeah. So I think he's only had four opportunities to even do that this year when normally we're probably well into the double digits halfway through the year with Aaron Rodgers uh, catching people off sides. Yeah. And even though we're a little bit past halfway when we're planning on doing a half a mid-season uh, update podcast due to our bye week coming up so look for that to be released uh probably over the weekend if not you know just friday like our our normal release but um th- one of the topics that we got to discuss there is while we're eight and two while it feels great while the 49ers just lost to the seahawks and there's a a clear and identifiable path to home field advantage throughout the nfc playoffs which would just be amazing for coach lafleur's first year it still feels like we're not playing to the level of an eight and two team i I watched the 49ers versus seahawks was it last night yeah (laughs) i'm trying to remember what day it is last night (laughs) uh and those teams just look so well coached they're just clicking on on all cylinders uh russell wilson's playing out of his mind and if you look at the Packers' stats we don't you know in total offense and total defense we're in the bottom half on both of those so it's it's because we're getting into these second and long situations we're getting off schedule we're, we're jumping off sides uh false starts i should say legal motions we're playing a little bit sloppy and our record has bailed us out to to say we're one of the top tier teams that's great but i feel like there's a lot that can still be coached up and fixed in these last few weeks before the playoffs You know, even with you saying that, you know, we are the team with the most wins against teams with winning records. We have five against teams with winning records. And then there's only a a handful of others with three. Mm. Um, So we're winning against good competition, at least. But we are playing sloppy. You know, it's not fundamentally sound. Um, And I would love to see him tighten it up just a little bit going into the, the postseason. 
And I do think that worries me a little bit because we came out of that Chargers game so disappointed that it felt like Adams was targeted the most out of this whole group. I think he was at about one out of every three passes were towards him. You look at this game, 26 targets total, 10 went to Adams. I think the only difference is you have a Carolina Panthers team that's worse than the Packers at the rush defense, and we took advantage of that. Every one of those 26 runs by our running back felt like they were trying to get the extra yard. And I do want to call that out. I I felt more this game than anything else that you had the Kumaro stretching for extra yards. You had Jones pushing extra yards, Williams pressure. Like it felt like those guys were hungry. And I think that comes out of playing just an embarrassing game against the Chargers. But LaFleur was so perfect during that four game winning streak, completely lost it against the Chargers. And I think that the Panthers running defense kind of saved him a little bit. We have to get back to this point of this backfield is awesome. We need to contribute to them more. And let's talk about this real quick. I think everybody on this podcast would agree. We actually love the fact that they went for it at the end of the first half. No. Oh, but would you agree that you liked it, but the play call was atrocious? Would you say that? Get the points. It's the NFL. I texted everyone to put this on record before the play happened. I didn't want it to be a hindsight, oh, I know it all. I think that was a dumb call. I've seen LaFleur's comments that he you know, was getting buy-in from the players. The players put it on themselves, which they should. They blew a bunch of blocks. Um, I, I don't even mind the play call. But that entire drive was a gift to you based on the roughing the passer penalty against Rodgers that wasn't. So they're gifting you three points to go up seven. You start the second half with the ball. You have the potential to go up 14. Turns out we did score a touchdown. So you would have been up 14 against a dangerous Christian McCaffrey who can get you, who can get the Panthers points at any given point. We're giving up a ton of yards and relying on turnovers on the defensive side, which we'll get into in a minute. And to leave points on the board could have been demoralizing and deflating to the team. I, I understand that he got the buy-in from the players and it all worked out, but I think it was a stupid call to leave points on the board. There was there was no way if that play didn't work to to still get three points. No timeout, no extra time. I hated it. Yep, you're you're completely <laughs> right, and it completely we had all momentum at that point. It looked like we were about to just annihilate Carolina, about to go in twenty-one ten at half, and then. All of a sudden, they stop us for nothing. And they just completely took away all momentum with not going for the three points there. I like – I'm a big believer in swagger. I've said this about 30 times on this podcast this season. I liked it, but when you do – like Vitaly has to be in the backfield. I would have loved this this RPO where you get Rodgers outside the pocket. I hated that play call. That would have been about the 40th play on my book of what I would have run at that point, I would have just kicked the field goal. I like the thought of just going for the throat and saying, look, we fell up completely short against the chargers this week. We're rolling all the dice and taking completely advantage of the Carolina Panthers. I liked it. I just absolutely, as soon as they started getting in that formation, I go, Oh, Oh no, we're not going to get it. I felt horrible about it, but well, that's what made me think it was play action. Yeah, suck them, suck them all in and then just dump it off to Jimmy Graham or something. Yeah, nope, I mean, just do nothing. But you know, all the Panther fans complaining about the refs. First of all, we've been on our fair share of those terrible, hideous, no good calls from the refs. But we made up for it by not taking that field goal before halftime. So yeah, it was a terrible call. I completely agree with you. 
Um, but the, the score was still 14-10 going into half. And on that point, I also saw fans of both teams all over the internet trolling Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, and it's probably the world's favorite. <laughs> it's probably the world's most favorite thing to do. But I am here to stand up for these guys. I think they're Ooh. some of the better announcers in the NFL. The you know there was an issue where they were they were arguing the Devontae Adams offensive pass interference was pass interference, and most Packer fans were saying no, it wasn't. But it was a moot point because there was a second penalty on the Packers on that same play. These guys they do favor the team that's winning because that's their job. And what I really enjoy is that Joe Buck understands that everyone hates him no matter what he says, and he just keeps rolling through it. I think they do a really nice job on this. Yeah, the Troy Aikman Cowboy versus Packer thing, whatever. We can be bitter about it all we want, but I think they're pretty good announcers. It could be a lot worse. And I'm probably the only one out in the internet world that believes this. No, I really like Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. I don't think Joe Buck and Aikman are as bad. And for those Panthers fans, Packers had double the number of penalties that the Panthers had. So shut your mouth, especially that Lazard <laughs> offensive pass interference. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, oh my that, was a, yeah. that was a TV breakable moment where I restrained myself. I said, not today. TV, you're going to survive. But it, the yeah, rest look, are bad. The rest are bad. It's, it's an every game thing that you are either going to get that one call that's atrocious or not. That's literally what we've come to. Yeah, Lazard became the world's strongest human to push, <laughs> push a, yeah, pushed a professional athlete down by applying a little pressure to his elbow. So let's move over to our defense, which, again, uh, I it's weird that people are thinking that we contain Christian McCaffrey, which I guess we technically did. If you consider 140 yards and a touchdown contained with the, being one yard short of adding another touchdown and who knows how many yards in overtime. But Preston Smith. Again, two sacks. He's now third in the NFL in sacks. Uh, Campbell came back, and I thought all things considered played really well. Yeah. But let's let's talk about this defense because I know that we had some ups and we had some downs. So let's talk about it. You know, I, I want to first point out and give congratulations to the defensive line for actually showing up in the Ooh, game. This my boy, Kenny Clark. Yeah, Kenny Clark, Lowry. Kenny I mean, Tyler see Lancaster that? got a sack. I mean, they were all getting involved. Yeah, that was fun to watch. And I'm going to throw in the Kyler Fackwell run stuff to essentially secure the win. The guy's playing a lot better than I expected he even had in him. And I'm going to put that on the defensive line just because for that play, he was lined up over the left guard. Uh, but the Kenny Clark presence up the middle this week, I think, was uh, just a a significant boost to the pass rush. Zadarius Smith tallied up 14 pass rushes, and I don't know how many Preston Smith had, but he ended up with three sacks. And Kenny Clark was in on some plays, and that's that's huge for this defense. Um, the one thing I thought was interesting, Ryan, you brought it up, the Ibrahim Campbell, his presence, he he gave up. I think it was the first third down conversion. Uh, as the Panthers started with the ball on a crossing route to DJ Moore, and immediately I was thinking, oh no, you know we, we got a, we got our new guy coming in playing loose coverage, but he also then you know he redeemed himself forcing a thump a fumble on Christian McCaffrey in the third quarter, a guy who really doesn't fumble all his that much. first his first fumble of the year. Yeah. Granted, they got it back, but his first. Yeah, I mean, the 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 way he forced the fumble was textbook. It was perfect. So my question is, 
would Ibrahim Campbell have been a starter over Raven Green if both were healthy coming into the year? And does that mean does that mean Will Redmond wouldn't have even been on the team? Oh, uh, I definitely think Will Redmond wouldn't have been on the team. Yeah, but I, I think I think we still miss Raven Green, and I think Ibrahim Campbell is just showing us a little bit of why. Uh, I think Abraham Campbell's great at what he does, but I think Raven Green's better. Uh, I, I'm sort of sad. It would have been great to see both of them at both, the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? That'd be so much fun. Yeah, we have to count our blessings, though, and the the national press is starting to pick it up. We're one of the healthiest teams in the NFL, so we can't complain about the few guys we do have injured. Um, but, yeah, the, while we're on the secondary let's just go off on Kevin King again for a little bit. I, <laughs> I, I think I texted in the fourth quarter. I go, wow, it's been a quiet game from Jair because oh, they're, man. they're so busy picking on 20. Yeah. And then the very next play was the one where Jair let the interception drop through his hands. That would have sealed the game. But boy, Kevin King loose coverage. He made a couple of tackles that, um, uh, you know, made sure that the Panthers couldn't convert a third down. So props to him. He made a couple big tackles, but he also had a huge blown coverage where he stayed in zone while everyone else was in man. His guy crossed the entire defense and went for 40 or 50 yards. You think so that it's not a good thing that he dropped back five yards and stood there and that's ran good. Yeah. And ran into good. our safety. Yeah. That's not a good idea. Okay. Yeah. No, if you're, if you're ever bumping hits with our safety and your guy is 40 yards away, uh, something happened. <laughs> I I, yeah. I don't I don't know how to fix this this late in the year. I I don't think Tony Brown is necessarily the solution, but offenses know to attack Kevin King, and that led to DJ Moore having nine catches for 120 yards. I I don't know what the fix is either. I I I just want Kevin King to be more aggressive. I don't want I don't want him laying back waiting for the catch to happen and then getting the tackle. And that's what's what's looking like a trend that's happening with him. You know, there were a couple plays where he did, you know, he, he disrupted, got that tackle for a loss uh, on that wide receiver screen. They're trying to set up. Um, and then the pass breakup on a quick comeback route, but yeah, a lot of pass pass thrown his way. He's getting picked on. He's getting burnt, you know, multiple times a game. Um, we definitely need someone to help him out a little bit. And it wasn't coming. I, you know, I'm going to pick on a couple players here. Uh, one in the secondary, Ooh. Savage, who you 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 loved. You know he Be didn't careful. have an awful game. Be he did careful. not have an awful game, but you Be can careful. definitely tell he's yeah, he, a little confused this game, and he was playing way too fast. He should have easily had a sack. Yet he's yeah. sprinting way too fast at Kyle Allen. All he had to do was take a sidestep, and goodbye, Darnell Savage. And he did that a couple times, even trying to break goodbye, up. Goodbye, Darnell Savage. <laughs> yeah, but he did that a couple times. He forgot to break down. And and I think if you just focus and you know refocus and realize that he can make these plays, he doesn't have to go 100 miles per hour. Um, I think he'll come right back to form where he was earlier in the year. Yeah, not to pile on to Darnell Savage, but I think there's a a second issue in the secondary where if it was only Kevin King playing loose coverage and then just cross your fingers that he makes the tackle, we could help him out. We could shade some safety help over the top and let him get a little more physical, but we just let old man Greg Olson go for eight catches for 98 yards as well. We officially have a tight end problem. Tight ends of all calibers <laughs> are chewing us up. It's something that, you know, if you're going to dedicate a safety to that, then you're leaving Kevin King in one on one coverage or, you know, a safety that isn't really able to apply much pressure to help out Kevin King. Either a tight end's going to light us up or Kevin King's going to be picked on. I think to at some of these games in the last six weeks, you're almost just going to have to pick your poison and say, we're going to shut down one of them. But you can't allow Kyle Allen to throw for a combined. 
218 yards to two guys, DJ Moore and Greg Olson. Those are not top tier guys anymore. Greg Olson's a nice tight end, but what is he, 45 years old? <laughs> well, and, and most of them were happening on crossing routes. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you can clearly see if you rewatch the tape, Blake Martinez was focused on one person, one person only, Christian McCaffrey. And when he had tight end assignment, he would get lost with Christian McCaffrey on either a draw or, you know, whatever coming out of the backfield for a dump off. And there were multiple times he was supposed to be covering the tight end and he wasn't there. And I just don't understand why we keep doing the same thing with Martinez and pass coverage when we know he can't, you know, he can't do it. So we need to do something else. Maybe I I, I honestly don't know what, (laughs) but uh, he can't do it. I, I honestly did not like Martinez play for the second game in a row extremely like i am not happy with how he's been playing at all this game he was getting blown back left and right uh by the offensive line and wasn't making that many once again no impact plays well good news again is the 49ers don't have a a tight end oh wait they have oh shit (laughs) or a a great running game (laughs) yeah yeah uh, yeah, I just also want to highlight, Josh, you talked about Savage missing his sack. We made Kyle Allen look pretty athletic, and maybe he is. Isn't this an Arkansas guy? Maybe we got to go check with Blaine Howard again. But uh, Zadarius Smith got beat for a sack. Kyle Allen actually beat him on a spin move to get out of the sack. And then Kenny Clark had a sure thing sack as well that he missed. So I started tracking these. I think it was like middle of the second quarter. I'm like, how many sacks is Kyle Allen going to get out of? And luckily Preston started cleaning him up. But speaking of missed opportunities, the Adrian Amos missed pick. Oh. Do you guys realize what that could have meant? I mean, he read the play perfectly. Why Kyle Allen threw the ball? He just didn't see Amos. But he's got the ball in both hands. It goes right through, and the receiver was there to just let the ball drop into his his basket for a touchdown. Luckily, Tremont was there. I mean, that was a huge bailout. Yeah, I thought it was a touchdown right after he dropped it. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. We, we did pull it off. Between uh, his pick or his drop, Jair's drop, and then the Kyle Allen fumble at midfield right to start the second quarter, they had field position on like the 48-yard line after a punt. And the game could have gone a little bit sideways there. Kyle Allen fumbles the snap, and we get it. We we keep getting a little lucky. I don't know how long it can last. Jair's got to make those plays. We That's why he is who he is. If you get a clean look on a ball in both hands, you got to pick that off and take it to the house. I, I don't care. You know, If you're a number one corner, you have to make that play. He, yes, he would have had a touchdown, and the game would have been over, even if he just fell. We expect that he he wants to be a top tier player. He wants to be a perennial Pro Bowler. I don't care how frozen that ball is. You got to make that play. Absolutely. Can we address real fast? Why did the Panthers go for two at twenty four sixteen? Oh my lord! Yeah. Speaking yeah, of I, bad calls, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't even going to bring that up, but that was really bad. I, I did want to bring up. You know, I thought Zadarius Smith was all over the place in this game. You know, you you saw him get close to the quarterback uh, a few times, but he only recorded one tackle. Um, I know. And he, he was, uh, I, I read in the athletic that he had, he had the most amount of double team uh, snaps this, this game. I think it was around 49% of the time he was being double teamed and he was lining up on the inside. So I think that was a key point in why Kenny Clark had such a good game Absolutely. because they were, they were double teaming Zadarius Smith this go around as opposed to Kenny Clark, which what we, which is what we've seen most of uh, the rest of the season. And I do want to give a shout out to Kenny Clark for this 22nd 
he has been non-existent for the prior nine weeks. If if he tackles Kyle Allen like he should, he probably could have had about six sacks. You look at Jair, probably should have had an interception. You, uh, the the thing about this defense is it's the bend don't break. It's the getting really close. If they can clean up tackling, if they can make those plays when they need to make those plays, this defense actually probably gains about eight sacks, three interceptions. It's I'm so glad that Kenny's black. I hope it I really, really hope that it's not this one week fluky week because he looked like the Kenny Clark that I have dreamed about this entire season. I, and I hope they, they keep on line in Zadarius Smith next to him. I, I think that'll cr- help create opportunities uh, for him and not put everything on the Smith brothers to you know make a play happen. So that'll do it for this episode. We're going to throw in a nice mid-season, kind of mid-season, ultra mid-season episode. But until then, thanks, everybody. Go back up. Go.